guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome back to another episode of the Cinematch Podcast. I love how that still gets you. Three you're weeks not, in. You're not letting that one go, are you? I think it's class. I like it. I heard it. I, I'm not going to lie. It's not like it's original. I heard it on a bus once. Like one of the driver, the driver on the, the bus. It was like one of those court, not, uh, national expresses. That's how he introduced himself to the entire set of passengers when we left London like a few years ago. Ridiculous. But... Um, yeah, anyway, we've already gone off track. My name is Cal, uh, and I am one of your hosts. And joining me, as he does every week, is Mr. Nathan Sackle-Hanna. This is the Cinematch podcast, the show where we take different movies every week and debate slash rate them. Um, first of all, how are you, sir? Well, I've just told you off camera. Today I'm a bit livid, but outside of that, I'm all right. My partner has gone to a premiere in London where she's seen and is sat very close to uh, Henry Cavill, the male love of my life. So I'm just slowly seething as we do this episode. But it's fine. It's only heartbreak. It's only pain. I'll get through it. It's not quite on the same level, but when I worked at Haven my second year, we opened a new owner's lounge uh, on the park for everyone that owns a car to go to. And they got Steve McFadden, who plays Phil Mitchell, to... Uh, open it up and my my best one of my best friends his girlfriend was on the entertainment team so she went up to host the event with a few of them and she sent him a video because he was working on the bar with me here with uh phil mitchell saying oh it's a shame you're not here reese and he was jealous as fuck so it's not quite the same level as henry cavill but big phil mitchell was there and i'm just trying to went through some in a superman costume <laughs> yeah yeah um Do you know what i never ask you i realize how are you today you don't ask me, actually. That's very nice of you today. I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, I've got a fucking ask for that massive answer. Christ. Yeah. I've got a busy week after today. I've got, I'm working seven days straight starting tomorrow, so I'm cherishing the last bit of my day off. Um, obviously, we had the Oscar nominations revealed this week, and there is a lot of controversy about one very, very big omission. So I'm going to ask you your thoughts on how you feel about the fact that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie wasn't in Best Animation. Fucking livid. How long have you been waiting to ask me that? Fucking, well, since the Twitter announced. Since guess. yesterday, fully enough. Yeah, yeah. Fucking livid. I I know what you're actually talking about. I can't give a fuck about that right now because Ninja Turtle, I don't care. It's, it was better than anything, like, visually. It needed some fucking... That and uh, Spider-Verse not getting, like, the score as well. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. and big Leonardo... I don't give a fuck about him, but Greta Gerwig like not getting Barbie. It's a bit. That's a bit fucking bad, isn't it? Do you know what's interesting though? I don't want to talk too much about it because I love Barbie. I've like like I've already said this. It was one of my favorite films in 2023. I think it's a five star movie, and I, I and I think Greta Gerwig did a great job. But some people are saying online like they don't understand how a film can be nominated for best picture, but the director isn't. Yeah. But. There's 10 movies nominated for Best Pitch and only five directors. So actually five, that happens five times every single year. Yeah. Like, it, it is shit that Greta Gerwig hasn't been nominated, but when you can only do five, like, it is a bit rough. And I feel like, I know Ryan Gosling getting it feels a bit dodgy to some people saying it's the man getting it, but we're forgetting, like, America Ferrero is nominated. So there is a woman there that has been nominated. And it's not like Ryan got in over Margot because it's completely different categories. She lost to four five of her women. So what, what, I think what you're saying is, um, as long as one woman got it, everybody else, the other rest should pipe down. Is that what you're saying? 
I mean, if you think about it, ten women have actually been nominated just because they're not from the all from the same movie. What do we are we going to put fucking crazy Barbie in as well? Why, why not? Let's put them all in. Like, I would put Kate McKinnon in. She's fucking brilliant. Just, that's the thing, though. Is like there's so many different movies. It's not like the the director one I get more because Greta Gerwig missing out and having only one uh, woman nominated is a bit annoying. And I've not seen Anatomy before yet, so I can't just too much on Justine Trier in that, but. With Margot Robbie, like it's not like she missed out because of a man. She she it's five other women that have been yeah. nominated. So I don't that bit I don't understand how they're saying it's like because of Ryan Gosling. It doesn't really make sense. But big Godzilla getting some VFX shout-outs, though he's definitely gonna win that one. Yeah, I don't what they used to do in like the early two thousands and have it cut away to a CGI Godzilla accepting the award. That'd be interesting. Um, remember that I mean like Shrek and Donkey like one and they like they were wearing tuxes and it cut to him and like stuff. I was it what I think Wally was there as well. Fucking brilliant. Yeah, we, yeah we used to be a proper used to be a proper award ceremony, not anymore. <laughs> not this fucking shambles. No. Um so we spoke a bit about animation there. This week we are covering a couple of animated movies, but very not your traditional animated movies, put it that way. It's a couple of movies that I've never seen. It's a genre that I'm not too familiar with. Because um, you said it on when you shared like the movies that it's like my first outside of Dragon Ball Z, it's like my first anime, which isn't technically true. I watched Yu Gi Oh every fucking week as a kid. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I should have. And I, I dabbled in Pokemon once in a while. <laughs> you, do you know what? I should have realized you 100% look like a Yu Gi Oh kid. Oh, I was all about it. I, was all, I, I imagine about... you were the kind of kid that was stood in the field with a, one of those massive things on his arm, playing cards. Not in a field, fuck me. I got mugged. I lived in Blackburn, for Christ's sake. Can't get, couldn't play that outside your house. <laughs> I was a big fan until my mum accidentally washed like my Yu-Gi-Oh cards. They left them in my me, trousers pocket and the deck went in the washing machine. And I think that was like my, the first time I ever grieved as a child. Like, I mourned the loss of those cards. So after that, what's, what's your mum's name? Anne. Anne, if you're listening, Anne. How do you not feel a massive deck of cards in some kid's pocket? Do you know that's on you, Anne? And I'm ashamed of you. I don't know Sometimes you. Sometimes I think she did it on purpose. I can't lie. <laughs> yeah, I'm sick of it spending money on all these fucking Yu Gi Oh cards. Yeah. I remember we're going completely off track again. But I remember a couple of years, like just before COVID, I went to Birmingham Comic Con with my friend Simo. And while we were there, we saw like them selling loads of Yu-Gi-Oh cards. So we decided to buy some just for all time's sake and try play. And we realized, even as kids, we didn't have a fucking clue what the rules were. Like when you actually read them, it was like shit. This is not how we played. Uh, no, absolutely not. Same with Pokemon cards. You got the ones that look good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, yeah, but, anime. Yeah, back to the original conversation. We're doing a couple of anime movies uh, this week. Some Studio Ghibli which I've only ever seen one before, um, and that was for college, The Red Turtle, which didn't really do too much for me. Have you seen that one? Uh, no, I've not seen that one, to be fair. Yeah. It was yeah, fine. I don't think it's regarded as one of the better ones, no. No, no, I don't think it is, no. But uh, this week we are doing two that are regarded as some of the very, very best. And in terms of one of them, it's regarded as not just one of the best, like, Studio Ghibli or anime movies, it's regarded as one of the best, like, movies, period, which... Uh, I read up last night, which is when I saw it. Uh, so, yeah, enough beating around the bush. We are doing Howl's Moving Castle against Spirited Away, which I've, even though I've never watched any like anime properly and it's not really my thing, even I'd heard of these movies, but you selected them. And why did you want to do these two? 
Well, when we did our top 10 movies of 2023 that were released in 2023, I talked about Suzume, didn't I? And you talked about how you'd not really experienced anime really outside of your typical Dragon Ball Z's and Yu-Gi-Oh's, sorry. Um, but, and then we spoke afterwards and, uh, you know, you, you were saying that you wanted to do more films that you wouldn't usually watch. <clears throat> You're trying to expand your horizons a bit more this year. And I thought, what better way to, than to do to dip you there into anime and i've seen your letterbox reviews we'll talk about that you didn't actually write any reviews i think no. it'd be very, very uh very brave even that can be caused close to my chest um but what i don't think there's no better way to dip into anime than with a bit of ghibli and to be honest spirited way and how's moving castle my favorite of the two and i think they're considered as spirited away definitely is the one that got a lot of people into anime like that's the one where if you say to somebody have you seen anime? They'll be able to say, yeah, spiritual, especially like a, a younger generation. And How's Moving Castle is the one that people tend to go to immediately after that. If not that, then my name is Totoro, but I don't like that one as much. It's controversial to say, but I don't like that one as much. Um, but these two are both beautiful films, beautiful to look at, loads of beautiful designs, which we'll talk about later. And yeah, I want to. I just wanted to open your mind a little bit more to something a little bit different, something that's not Scorsese. Also, though, we did say, I did say to you on the last episode that um, Leonardo DiCaprio introduced Scorsese to Ghibli by what, showing him, was it Spirited Away? And so, I can't remember the exact films now, but it was a couple. Like but it was Spirited Away. So if it's good enough for your boy Scorsese, it's good enough for you. Uh, excuse me, that's Mr. Moore's nomination of any living filmmaker right now, Scorsese. Let you know. Let's pay my voice some respect. He's not going to win, but I'm just I'm glad to see he's nominated at that old age. Bless him. John Williams got the most Oscar nominations of all time, or something. Yeah, he's got like fifty something. I know. Scorsese's is only two. You are. No wonder you don't want to retire. I know. Yeah, but let's be honest. He ain't fucking winning shit with that Indiana Jones one this year. Let's be honest. Makes sense. Doesn't make sense. But. Scorsese actually only two nominations off tying the actual record of any director ever, even ones that have snuffed it. So who knows? Come on, Marty, get a couple more out of you before you go, lad. I love him. I love him so much. Um, again, on we've gone off the track a bit there. So back to Howl's Movie Castle versus Spirited Away. Yeah, I'd never seen them before. You were obviously the one that recommended doing these because you quite enjoy them. Uh, so I'm going to take a bit of a back this week and let you describe them and just watch you struggle through words um so we might as well get started then and talk about the best story in both uh i'll try to remember you should remember because you suggested doing this yeah i've all like i said i've only seen them both once and they're not very straightforward so there's a lot of complexities to both so that's why i thought it'd be best to just let you do a quick rundown because i'll end up missing some major detail i imagine if there's one thing I'm known for, it's my complex thoughts. <laughs> well, you are known for running your mouth, so I didn't think you'd have an issue here. Now, nah, cheers. Well, you put a phrase out a little nicer, but whatever. <laughs> uh, what do you want me to talk about? It's, uh, sp- uh, How's Moving Stories. Castle. Yeah, start with How's Moving Castle. Start with How's Moving Castle. You've got, um, we, we meet Sophie, who's working in a hattery, and there's clearly a war going on of some kind. Um and we're quickly introduced to Howl and everything like that. And for some reason, Sophie has bumped into the uh, Wicked Witch of the Wilds, who puts a curse on her and turns her into an old lady. 
and to eventually try and break this spell she tries seeking out Hal who she knows is a strong magician and through that adventures ensue um pretty you know, much yeah yeah throughout the story we meet Hal and a cast of characters and you we learn more about the war that's going on and how the wizards and um, any kind of um, magician is is being pulled into this war and sacrificing their lives to be turned into warriors to essentially just die for nothing and Hal's essentially trying to play all all sides to to come out on top and try and end the war from the inside but it's just he just succumbs to the fighting as everybody else does and we go all the way through we, we learn that the Wicked Witch of the Wild's not really waste sorry he's not really um mastermind behind it she's being played too Sophie's being played Hal's being played everybody's being played really um and in the end it's a it's a story about love as is the case with most Ghibli movies and um Hal's heart which he spoiler alert does does recover in the end um so very very brief description of what Hal's moving castle is like you say there's a lot of like deep stuff in it um a lot of the the deep stuff comes from, from Howl and his relationship with the magic uh, which I really, really love. Uh, and then in Spirited Away, it's a coming-of-age story, which I thought you would have enjoyed, but maybe it flew over your head. Um, but it's a, it's a coming-of-age story uh, where young girl, Chihiro, um, moving away from home, uh, she's left all of her school friends behind. Uh, and on the way to this new home, they kind of get sidetracked and they find this place that it's abandoned. And then the parents find all this food and kind of get sucked in and gluttonously just start eating so she goes off to uh to inspect stuff and eventually things go awry she finds herself in the spirit world which beautifully designed absolutely love the fucking visuals on this movie um and through this living in the spirit world she um she kind of gets tricked into selling her life away to work in this spa for the for the spirits and she <clears throat> is trying to find a she's trying to figure a way out essentially how to get home but how to find a parents who have been turned into pigs uh, and to escape uh, and again through all that she you know learns the value of growing up she um has some adventures with uh, her, a very creepy no face and she meets haku who we later find out has got a very strong connection to her and eventually again spoilers eventually you know she does learn to grow up and let go of all of her fears of moving on and finds her parents and and goes back so again it's a that one's a coming of age story the the house moving castles a story i love and yeah which how did you i hate when you make me describe films because i just feel like i'm rambling uh how did you score the story on both of these so uh, it's it's interesting what you say there as well because I think going into Spirited Away, I thought it would be hard to beat Howl's movie Castle's story because I like the way that plot unfolds and the way the main character Sophie is transformed into this old woman and how it forces her to step out of her comfort zone where she's obviously initially quite a shy character who is forced to take like take on a much larger role in life with the cards that she's dealt. And the story of the two kingdoms feuding without there really being an obvious villain in between, because very often with stuff like that, there is a villain. Um, and I liked that dynamic that there wasn't, it could like either side you could side with. Um, and I liked that, but spirited away, like I said, it, it is a coming of age story. It didn't go over me head, so fuck yourself. I enjoyed the story of spirited away more because I liked the whole 
moving into a new area and you're unsure of your surroundings. But then, similarly to Sophie, Chihiro is a character who's very anxious at the beginning. She's very panicky, uh, and it's shown with her family when they first find the, the run that um, the derelict's like theme park, and she's like terrified and begging them to leave. And then she's forced to really step up and show a cut, like a level of bravery that she probably didn't realize she had. Um, and interacting with the different characters in the spirit world and having to work for this like evil woman who controls them all and takes her name um, and all that stuff. And then with it unfolding later on and the mystery around Haku's origins and stuff, I just thought it was much more intriguing and it kept me more interested as it went on. So I went 10-9 in favour of Spirit Away. Interesting. See, I went 10-9 in favour of Howl's Moving Castle because... I just like how much deeper that house moving castle is. Like you say, these two these two sides, and you you never really find out what the war is over. Like it's just a war. It seems like a forever war, and it's just it's just going on and on. And you've got, you know, like I say, you've got people being played. You know, one side with Solomon, um, the elder witch, um, who seems to be controlling everything, but you know they're trying to get rid of all kind of magic users, which is, I think is pretty, pretty dark considering she's the one doing it all who is a magic user herself. <clears throat> and then you've got Howl who's in this war is slowly like losing himself because he's using more and more power to, to grow and grow. And he's never really grown up. He's never really matured as a person. Um, and he's slowly turned into this beast. And then you've got Sophie who is probably always been that older person but stuck in a younger person's body and she's trying to regain her youth and it's just i think there's a lot of stuff going on uh, there's like a time travel element in there uh how's lose like not having a heart and um sophie not being able to talk about her curse and how that kind of ensued i, I just really enjoy there's so much more layers to it and you know having that moment where sophie's in the past and she says, um, you know, find me. She she sees how find Calcifer for the first time. And she says, you know, find me. And that's in the past. And then the very first words to to Sophie from Howell is, um, I've been looking for you everywhere. It's just some small things like that um that, that really hit for me. Um so I went 10 in favour of Howl's Moving Castle. I, I, I love I love Spirited Away's uh, I do love Spirited Away's story like a lot. So it's like How's Moving Castle winning is very very slight i don't want to do any 10 10s but it is very very slight um but it is a bit more straightforward i think i did like the um reveal of sophie going to the past and saying that and i didn't pick up until i think i saw a review afterwards that mentioned his very first words to her that he was looking for like that wasn't something i immediately remembered so i feel like that's something that it's more rewarding on like a rewatch as well mm. um but yeah the I mean, they're both solid stories. It went, like you said, it was close for me as well. Um, so it's probably quite fitting that we've gone one on either side. Um, should we talk about the openings then? See, this I can probably remember, so I don't mind doing this. Go on then. Because <laughs> they're very straightforward, both of them. Yeah. Essentially, the, the Howl's Moving Castle opening is very... There's not really much to it, is there? Like, it's essentially just... we, we For, for a, quite some time, we're just following the castle howls castle move essentially uh, and how it arrives at this town and the way the people in the town it's quickly revealed that there's this reputation around how that is some sort of like evil monster that devours um attractive women essentially 
um, and we're introduced to Sophie who's in work and um, you quite you grasp quite quickly that she's quite a shy person and we see I think what enhances it is her introduction to Hal immediately and we see those two although it's not revealed it's Hal um, until much later but we see those two and he helps save her from those creepy guards and then they come across those monsters and he ends up like taking her into the sky and stuff and they have that really brief interaction there and which obviously lays the groundwork for later on when we see them meet again um compare that to the spirited away open which is just about shahiro and her family moving to this new area the dad's driving and gets kind of lost but they can see the house so he decides to take the shortcut through the woods and ends up at this tunnel uh which they believe is like a rundown theme park and the entire family decide to explore it despite shahiro straight up fucking shitting herself bless her um but her dad's adamant he wants to look around. Most of the film, to be fair. Yeah. But the, the dad's adamant he wants to look around. And they eventually, like you said um, in the story, they find the food and the parents become consumed with greed and just start stuffing the face with while she looks around. And then eventually, obviously, it takes effect. And when she returns to them, they turn into these pigs. Um, and she's kind of just, from there, she's kind of just ends up stuck in this, like you said, spirit world. And that's how it unfolds. Like, Shit goes wild from that point. Um, so, uh, uh, oh yeah, it's your turn. How did you score? See, yeah, I think you're right. They both they don't like both start off with a bang or anything like that. They both like really slow, quiet starts. Uh, but I'm going to go ten nine in favour of Howl's Moving Castle. Like, I, I, Spirited Away is nice. It sets up uh, Chihiro as a character and the parents, um, and I, I do like the eeriness of the the abandoned theme park and like this the slow turn to weird but and i used it i used it in the video like as soon as i said we were going to do this movie i knew exactly what clip i was going to use as our teaser it's and it's like the opening shot of the film when the castle is just coming out of the mist it's just something so eerie about it um and it sets up that how could be you know something this could be something a bit off about howl and it sets up this you know the everybody talking about how he eats the beautiful woman's hearts and stuff like that. It, it sets up this mystical like, atmosphere almost. And it's, it's very strange looking. It's very haphazard. It, once you get to know the castle, it becomes <clears throat> a very warm and like you want to be there. But when you first see it, it's like, this could actually be something fucking creepy. And then, you know, it kind of goes on at a normal pace, but then you see how, and that's when the real kind of, magic feeling the, the wonder kind of comes in a bit more than than spirited away and that's what i like about these movies is you know we've got a category dedicated to it that you know like kind of the wonder and the magic of all like the, the world that we're living in they're living in because you know spirited away is set in our world it's supposed to be our world it's supposed to be our world japan but how's moving castle has got this designer aesthetic that looks kind of french but also looks like very very fucking alien it's just beautiful and that's why i went 10-9 in favor of howl's moving castle yeah i went 10-9 in favor of howl's moving castle as well this time i think uh like you said the shots of the castle coming through like like you said the mist and stuff and how then just the for me i think the interaction between howl and sophie after getting to the end and realising, because I, I mean, I didn't remember him saying that, but when you hear him say, find me, I know immediately that that first interaction was a result of that. So I think that reveal later on enhanced the opening for me as well. Um, like it was a nice 
it was a nice twist to show that it wasn't accidental when he saved her from those two really like sleazy guards and then when they escaped from those monsters together. Like if you, I mean the uh, opening to Spirit of Will, like I said, it is quite eerie. And I actually think it's really creepy, like the empty theme park um, aesthetic and just like what well, kind of it's deserted. Like it is really creepy and I think it's really well done. And like seeing the parents be so distracted by the food and stuff is really good storytelling. Um just especially just letting her wander off on her own, like they're that distracted by it. Um, and then the brief meeting with Haku and how he tries to warn her against um, staying for too long. It's, it is really good, but like I think the stuff with um, Howell and Sophie and that interaction, which was obviously somewhat like set up in his, in his time years in the past, but in hers, it's later on in the movie. And I think that was really good, like a way to bring the story full circle. So I went 10-9 in favour of Howell's moving castle as well. Nice. Um, so we'll talk about the ending then, which I'll let you do this time because the Howl's Moving Castle one, it, it, I can't really remember too much. Um, so I'll let you re jog my memory with that. I will try because my memory is just the worst out of everybody I know. No, Howl obviously regains his heart. He brings, you know, Calcifer. Um, Calcifer goes into his chest. He regains his heart, but really can't lose Calcifer. He, you know, he... House Cowsmith comes free um, and eventually comes back. It's very, it's a very happy ending. The war's called off um, because of everything that happens. Um, how finding his heart again, uh, it calls all the war off. And you just get this, it's just a really more positive, happy ending of Sophie and Hal living together. Uh, the Wicked which, uh, the Wicked Witch of the Wild, uh, Waste. I don't know why I keep saying wild. I don't yeah, know. I'm not sure where that's come from. The Wicked Witch of the uh, Waste, um, you know. <laughs> becomes uh, like you know throughout the film she's become this old lady so she gets to you know live on the um the castle with with Howell and Sophie and uh, Markle and Hill and everybody um basically all the characters that have come together towards the ending of the film uh, they get that kind of happy ending and it's kind of revealed at the end that the the, the Howell's moving castle becomes Howell's flying castle um so very very positive oh, I mean it's very downbeat for a little bit you know we think Hal's dead and and what have you and um you know we lose Calcifer until he comes back but it's it ends on a positive note We're, same as you know Spirited Away Spirited Away you know Chihiro finds out that Haku was uh, a spirit uh, a river spirit that saved her when she was a young child uh, and that helped to you know gain a lot more confidence and helped him retain who he uh, regain who he is um from that, she is, you know, able to save her parents and and leave the spirit world and and go off. And it's a nice, although the film kind of that one's not as big of an ending because it's her parents just walking out of the theme park, her getting back in the car and them driving off. But she's got this new sense of she's grown up over these past couple of days. She's grown up. She's learned that moving on is not always the the worst thing. And she's got learned all these responsibilities. So it's a nice, it's a nicer ending, but it's a it's a lot, lot smaller. So definitely skipping off for a lot there because I'm a memory, like I say, my memory is terrible. But how did you score that? It is interesting what you said, like the spirited away ending is much like, there's a lot less to it. Like it is just the, essentially the family driving away once she's escaped that world. But I actually really, I think I preferred that one a lot. Um, I feel like the Howl's Moving Castle ending, it felt a little bit too 
not childish, but like easy. Like the way like Turnip Head was revealed to be this missing prince. It's like, oh, this is Sailor oh, yeah. Day. Like stuff yeah. like that. It just felt a little bit too tacked on. Like, oh, that that's very uh um useful. Like we, we needed some of that to happen, and it just happened like for no reason right next to us. Like, I, I mean I didn't mind the ending. I liked the stuff we howl and Calcifer going and then coming back was nice and seeing them all after in the aftermath and the way they've bonded and they're spending their lives together was interesting but i love the ending to spirited away with like i said uh chihiro figuring out that haku was this like river spirit that saved her from drowning and in that by through that they remember his name and that's what helps him remember his past life and it stops him like and I mean I mean I don't know how they survive when she says it and he stops being a dragon, they just fucking fall. Like, I'm sorry, you fucked, you fucked that. Um, but yeah, I like that. And the way they save the uh they go to see the the villain who whose name I wrote down, Yubaba. They go to see her sister, um, and they find out more from there. And then when they bring the baby back, who eventually stands up for them and it convinces them to go easy, and she eventually makes Chihiro play that go through that trial and try to guess which pigs were her parents, which she quite triumphantly points out it's none of them, so she gets free with those. But for me, especially what I like the most is when she says goodbye to Haku and says, don't look back. And when she leaves and it shows her hesitating, she, and she turns but stops just before, before like leaving with her family, who have absolutely no idea what's happened. Like They're none the wiser, whereas she's completely changed those couple of days. And just the simplistic scene of them just driving away. I just think it works a lot better for me personally. So I went 10 down in favour of Spirit Away. Yeah, and I agree. Uh Spirit Away is a nice I love House Moving Castle's ending, but Spirit Away is a nice smaller one. And I completely <clears throat> skipped over the turnip head bit. But yeah, every single time I watch House Moving Castle, it's like I wish they'd have set the turnip head up thing a bit more. There's passing that like that's what the wars, you know. I was mistaken a bit earlier. That's what the war's about. Like the the prince is missing, but it's it's just very like, yep, we need to conclude the movie. So I'm the prince. I love you. I don't love you. Okay, well I'll go and end the war anyway. Like it's, <clears throat> I get it. It's it's one of them things, but it's not as satisfying as Chihiro's journey in the end. I think. Yeah, uh, I will say as well with. Turnip head, how what where the fuck's this love come from? I don't understand. It's just been hopping around like barely interacting and apparently his love. I don't they never made that would make sense to me, but so, I think it's because you know she helped him and yeah, she, she was an old crinkly woman and all. Yeah, I mean that's what he's into, that's what he's into. I mean, I ain't shaming anyone's kinks whatsoever. He just, just Tina Fey was fine in Mean Girls. I've seen, I've seen clips of her in the Mean Girls and she's only got finer, so age is just a number. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I fancy Mima from Young Sheldon and she's 70 years old, so who am I to judge? Is, it, is that not... Um, Annie Potts. Janine from Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. She hey. is fine in Young Sheldon, let me tell you. Um, wait, wait, in a fucking jumpsuit. Woo! <laughs> um... So we've spoke about the, the film as a whole then with the story of the open and the end. And let's talk about the main characters then because they're both kind of about two young women. Um, one is actually like a young girl whereas the other spends most of the film as this old ancient woman. But how old are they actually supposed to be? Because I feel like Chihiro is clearly supposed to be a young child but is Sophie supposed to be a bit older? I think Chihiro is supposed to be around, yeah, 
somewhere probably between nine and 12 or something like that. And then I think Sophie's supposed to be a little bit older, probably in her late teens or yeah. probably early 20s. I don't know. Yeah, so they're, they're both about youngish women then. Um, Chihiro in Spirit Away and Sophie in Howl's Moving Castle. I don't want to give too much away about them then, so I'll just go straight into the scores. Which, how did you score that? Well, I told you I didn't write any scores down, so I'm doing this on a, for the first oh, yeah. time ever. I'm winging it. I would probably say that I prefer... I prefer Sophie as a character, so I'm going to go 10 Niners to Sophie in Howl's Moving Castle. And that's because I think she has... Whilst your hero has a lot of growth, it doesn't seem as warranted as Sophie's. Like, Sophie goes through a lot more like with being cursed and having to like she you know goes up to the 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 king's castle to to plead a case and she's doing all this stuff with how cleaning uh, i think she's got a lot a lot more growth in her than jihiro does that's not to say jihiro is a bad character i love her but like i say she's a whiny bitch <laughs> throughout a lot of the film and you know the whiny the character the more i'm not gonna love you as much but i do i do really like Chihiro, but it is a lot. Very, it doesn't her her growing up in the end doesn't feel earned outside of her realization with Haku and uh, going to see Yubaba's sister. So whereas Sophie, I feel like has a lot more. Like she's she's a quiet she's quiet when everybody else isn't. Uh, she gets she's she's thrust into adventure more unwillingly, I think. And you know she she still she still retains all the goodness. Like she, like I said, she helps turn it ped, which is why I loves her. And when Hal's a giant fucking beast and everything, she's trying to calm him down. And she's tough with Calcifer, like all that kind of stuff. I just think really, really adds to her character. Whereas Chihiro is, I think just a kid who's just very persistent, um, which again, is not a bad thing, but I just, I just prefer Sophie. Yeah, I went 10 down in favour of Sophie as well because, like you said, Chihiro is, I mean, it is important for me she's a child, but, like, it offers a little bit less of, like, a layer to the character, in my opinion, where she is just this kid that's panicking for the most part. Like, her development is quite effective where she eventually, like, grows up towards the end of the movie and she, she is forced to go through a lot of stuff alone. But I think what Sophie does... And also, because we get these two very different versions of Sophie, like it makes the character more interesting in that sense as well. You get this shy uh, young woman who is, and it's it's quite interesting in the female, like just growing up, and it's the sense that as she, when she's forced to be older, she's she's not like that anymore. She's outspoken. She doesn't give a shit. And that is like essentially like reality. Like, is it art mirroring reality? Is that reflecting? I can't remember the exact phrase, but it's essentially like that. Um, and I think the, the performances, especially uh, Gene Simmons, who I wrote down earlier, who plays the old version of Sophie, I think she's incredible. Not from Kiss, not Gene Simmons from Kiss. No, I thought that when I wrote it down, I was like, fucking hell, I've just got the same name as that guy. Um, but no, she's, in, she's incredible, I think. And I love the scenes, like you say, where she's tough on Calcifer and she, he was panicking when she's cleaning and she leaves him in that cup, like, you'll be fine. Um, and I love her interactions with the entire crew, like Howl and, um, is it Markle, the little Mm -hmm. boy was called, right, Markle? Um, I love her interactions with those guys, and she's just, when she's an old woman, she's a real take-no-shit sort of person, whereas Chihiro is very much a pushover, and she's very passive in a lot of the scenes she's in. 
Like, um, like um, with Sophie, I love that bit where she thinks the dog is Howl. Yeah. When she thinks Hin's um, Howl, and like all of her interactions with him, just just shows us like what a great character she is. Yeah, I I do think there's just more to her, and like I said, because you get two different performances from two different actresses playing the character as well. Like, and they both do a really good job. The one thing I'll say though is. What went over my head and I really didn't fucking get is sometimes in the movie when she just kind of looked young again. What the fuck was going on? It's when she was letting her guard down and being like feeling the love for Howell. So every time she was let, every time she let her guard down and wasn't as stick up her ass kind of thing and like was feeling love towards Howell, that's when her age kind of disappears. So can other people see that? I think just, I think no, I don't think I was so. going to say, like, no one's fucking questioning how this old woman's like 30 years old all of a sudden, and then she's back to being old as shit in the very next shot. Like, that bit I didn't get. Um, like I said, I don't really, I've never watched these sorts of things before, so I'm probably missing nuances that. To be fair, there's probably a lot of stuff that I miss. A lot of, especially with Ghibli movies, a lot of it is culture over, like, they're not that concerned about it being internationally looked like if you went to watch the boy and the heron when that came out there's a lot of stuff in there that i had to look up afterwards because it is a lot of japanese culture stuff that you would only learn from like you would only know and learn from growing up in that in that culture and in that world um but i mean the the translation of stuff i feel like they did they do a very good job of making it um watchable for the for uk audiences yeah, I, definitely. We, yeah, we didn't clarify. I made. I said you needed to watch the for for Ghibli movies at least. I always go dubbed over any other anime. I will watch subtitles, but with Ghibli, I, I think the voice casts are, are amazing, especially yeah like, these ones as well. Yeah, I'm glad that because I like I said I asked you what whether it's I should go dubbed or with subtitles, and you said those, and I'm glad I did because some of the cast in these as well, which we'll get to shortly, are fucking awesome. So yeah, uh, yeah I went ten nine in favor of Sophie as well then. Um, so we'll talk about next a, ca- a category that we came up with about 10 minutes before recording which is the second leads in both movies because while these two movies follow these two young women predominantly there is a there's a male second lead who plays a significant role in both as well who will eventually becomes a love interest in both as well um, in Howl's Moving Castle you've got Howl who I mean you can tell he's important he's in the fucking title um, and he's like this powerful wizard who Sophie seeks out to help her remove this curse and then she eventually gets dragged into all these adventures with him as he's playing these dual roles in this war like as two different like wizards to help each side it's all, all that jazz what they call like Jenkins and someone else or something like that I can't remember yeah um, Jenkins and wizards oh fuck I can't remember I can't remember um, but yeah and he's voiced by Christian Bale which I immediately recognised, which I always enjoy when I'm watching an animated film and I immediately hear the voice. Um, and he's great. And then you compare him to Spirited Away, you've got Haku, the young man that finds Chihiro early on and warns her to make sure she's gone before a certain time. I can't remember if it's like sundown or something like that. I can't remember what the rule was. And then he spends most of the movie helping her and it's eventually re- revealed that he was this water, uh, river spirit that saved her life years ago and that's how their bond was first formed and like they eventually have like a love interest situation similarly to Howell and Sophie and he's played by Jason Marsden whose voice I also recognised immediately and I wasn't sure why so I could go and he plays Max Goofy's son in the the uh, 
extremely goofy movie, which I fucking love. So yeah, I appreciate that as well. He's done a lot of cool voice work, so I enjoy uh, hearing him. Um, I think I'm first up this time, so I'll go straight off the bat and say that I went with Howl. Uh, yes. I went Howl in Castle 10-9 because while I said Jason Marsden is great and I think his portrayal of the Haku was good, um, the character just for me, isn't quite on the same level as Howl, who obviously is such a powerful wizard. And a large portion of that story is about Howl's struggles and um, his impact on the war on both sides and how he's losing himself to his magic. And some of the cooler scenes, like him fighting off those, like, demons. Um, yeah. It's And it's Christian fucking Bale, like, what more do you want? So, yeah, I went 10 out of 5. I don't even have much more to say on it. Like, it's just fucking Christian Bale being badass, so. No, I think that I like with Haku is that, he doesn't know when he first meets your hero, he doesn't know that he protects her as a kid. Obviously, he's lost all of his name, he's lost his his memories. So the instinct, like the instinct of him is to protect Chihiro, and, and, and that all kind of pays off at the end. And I think that's really you know, you got the extra layer of he's just like her and that he signed a contract and he lost his name, but he instead of working at scrubbing floors, he's working at, you know, being the fucking what sounds like a hitman for um, and a fee for just basically any any dirty job that needs doing, uh, he does it for Yubaba, and I think that, that it's always it's always good to see the kind of that trapped character get some kind of redemption in the end and freedom in the end, which is what they both get. But Howell is fucking badass, and there's no way that um, Haku could win over Howl. Not even a fucking river river spirit dragon could fucking win over 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 Howell. And like I said, when he turns into a demon and goes goes to war, it's it's fucking great. And obviously, in fact, very badass. And it looks it looks amazing. But the bits with Howl that I like more is when he's at home and he's just kind of living. Like when she cleans out the bath and his hair goes fucked up, and he fucking starts moping because he hasn't grown up. He's he's got all this weight on his shoulders, but because he hasn't got a heart, it's he's not really grown up. He's not matured. So as soon as he's got that fucking hair dye go all wrong and he starts oozing, like proper oozing the green shit because he's fucking depressed. I understand that feeling. I understand that feeling of, uh, of what it's like to just not be in the fucking mood and wanting to ooze your shit fucking shit out. And yeah, his story, his all the stuff with him and Calcifer, um, when we get to see him as a kid, uh, the, the touches of his past... Um, you know, his master just left him in a cabin all alone in a massive field to to study. So there's always kind of been an isolation there. So getting his ending where he's got a fam, he's got a found family and a love interest and uh, friends and everything like that, and you know, a mother in the in the Witch of the Waste. It, it's it's a it's a it's a stronger character development, I think. And Christian Bale absolutely nails that role. Like that's one of the reasons I say you've got to watch it dubbed. I didn't want to tell you because I've. Didn't want to if you had not locked it up, I didn't want to ruin it for you, but yeah, you he absolutely crushes that role 100%. Yeah, yeah, he does. That's that was one of the reasons why I was glad that you said dub because, uh, like I said, that first meeting with Sophie when he finds her and he says he's been looking every, everywhere for her, it was like as soon as he spoke, I was like, I fucking know that voice, <laughs> like it became apparent very quickly. Yeah, man. I can't know. Well, you, I, I, whatever you've just said recorded, but I didn't tell you. <laughs> I'm just saying um, how, like, I'm glad you said to go dubbed because 
um, when I put it on and we first get that meeting between Howell and Sophie and he says he's been looking everywhere for her, it was like immediately I was like, I fucking know that voice. It's my boy. So, yeah, I was glad. And I think the entire voice cast does a great job, which we'll talk about soon. So, yeah, um, that was an easy choice for me, that one. I think Hacker was good, but Howell was great. Which is the simplest way of putting it in my eyes. So, yeah, I think we agree on that one. Um, this is another category which we only came up with shortly before recording because we weren't really... We'd, we'd struggled to come up with 10. And with this one, it's because while they're not quite the traditional version of this this sort of role, there are they do fill that sort of um, status for the movies, and that's the villains. Mm. So in Pal's Moving Castle, for a while you have got the... Um, is it the Wicked Witch of the Waste? Yeah, the Wicked Witch yeah. of the Waste. Yeah. You've got the Wicked Witch of the Waste and you've got, uh, is it Solomon? I think I wrote it down somewhere. Yeah, Solomon, yeah. You've got those two and obviously Solomon is one that you don't really spend too much time with and it's not until much later in the movie that you realize, reveal like her significance to the plot. Whereas the Wicked Witch of the Waste is quite plays a very significant role, especially early on as like a, an antagonist, but her role, she has got, she goes through that like uh, plot, like character development where she ends up redeeming herself in many ways um, as the, the film goes on, which I didn't see coming at all. Mm. Like from the beginning, I thought she was going to be like the main bad guy, like the way she turns Sophie into this old woman and curses her. And then even when Sophie's like out on the street with the, Dog, she thinks, um, is it a dog that she thinks is how? Yeah, yeah, it's him. Yeah, when she's going to the castle with him, and then the Wicked Witch of the Waste pulls up in that like cart thing and like sticks around and starts talking to her. Like, I just felt like she was such a significant character at that point. Um, a lot of, but like I said, obviously, she kind of redeems herself as the movie goes on and joins the good side and works with those guys. And then you compare that to Spirited Away, which we've is the main villain is obviously um, Yuli, Yubaba, who runs this bathhouse in the spirit world, and she takes all these people, like, not prisoners, but essentially, but yeah, pretty much, where she takes the name and they forget their lives on the outside, and she punishes disobedience by turning them into these fucking animals, and she's, like, got uh, Chihiro's parents as pigs, um, and obviously there's a lot of other characters that must have like interacted in the past they were also pigs which we see transform back at the end um so she's quite twisted with a giant fucking baby and then there's also not really a villain but i thought for a while was going to be a big time villain that's um no face i think it's mm. called yeah um which initially i thought was fucking terrifying I thought that shit was terrifying. Like the design, especially, which we'll talk about later. But I thought the design, I thought the way it was like, even like right at the beginning when she's first sneaking across the bridge with Haku and she's holding her breaths and all, smell it. And you, you just walk past it and you can see it watching. Like, oh, it, it, it was so good. I mean, the, obviously the character goes similar to the Wicked Witch of the Waste, has these sorts of developments which lessen the intimidating factor of the character. And there's much more to it than what's first appears on the surface. Um, but I think while the Wiki Witch of the Waste, I prefer, I like the way they developed that character. I'm not too sure that it works well for North Face for me. But I actually think it's you first. <laughs> <laughs> so you get you get to a cop out is what you're saying. And I just 
I was talking, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's over me that technically needs to give me score, so. <laughs> uh, well, I don't really consider... I do and don't consider No Face a villain. He's obviously a shit spirit that nobody really gives a fuck about. I think he's a bad luck spirit or something like that. And he's obviously eager to please and he becomes very, very greedy. Like, he wants to prove himself to Chihiro to get, like, her approval. Um, but he's also very, very greedy and obviously that greed gets the better of him when he starts fucking eating people and that is terrifying when that fucking mouth comes out. You know what's wor- The worst thing about him isn't the design, it's not the, the mouth, it's not when he starts using the fucking frog that he, he's literally got a frog in his throat when he starts talking, which I loved. Um, but it's before he can talk, he does the like when he's talking, does the creepiest fuck. Yeah, it's creepy, but I don't really consider him a villain. I just think, consider him like he's just a different kind of spirit that just it's just greedy and just eager to please. Um, not like Yubaba, who obviously is enslaving people essentially to work for him and making them work off the work off the debt and tricking people and all that kind of stuff. And um, but the Wicked Wish of the Waste is a significantly better character. Uh, and then when you find out Solomon's behind it all, and there's a lot of theories that. And I, I don't know if it's ever really confirmed in the film. Um, I didn't look it up too much, but like I have always held the personal theory that Solomon is the one to, because her goal is to get Hal. And to get Hal, the only way to kind of smoke him out is to have this war. Um, and then she is, immediately calls off the war when she figures out that the prince has been returned. So I've always figured that she was the one that turned the prince into turnip head to start the war to smoke Howl out whilst playing the Wicked Witch the Waste at the same time and trying to get rid of other magicians. Um, so even though she's not in the film for a long time, I, for me personally, her impact on the story is much, much greater. Um, so that's why I went 10 in favour of Solomon, but the Wicked Witch of the Waste is also fucking terrifying. Like when she's got that massive head poking out of the cabbage and then she comes out and she's like, a not a regular size, but a somewhat regular size, fucking... No face is creepy when he's doing the, but when she's fucking walking up them stairs and everything's fucking moving and sweating, uh, fucking gross. But um, I just love how simple it is that Sophie turns her away and she smokes her out by just flying. It's just flying through it. Nothing terrible, just flies through it. And there it is, she's cursed. And I'm pretty sure that the Witch of the Waste is somebody that that's where the rumour of Howl eating beautiful women's hearts comes from because she wants Howl's heart. I'm assuming that she's a spurned lover of Howl. Um, so I just feel like there's a lot more layers to the to the quote-unquote villains of, of Howl's Moving Castle than there are to uh, Spirited Away. So that's how I went 10-9 in favour of that. Yeah, I think the Wicked Witch of the Waste, like I said at the if if it was the, if the character that appeared at the beginning who cursed Sophie was all the way through, I think she'd have been a very solid villain. But because we get that redeeming factor, I think it lessens her impact as an antagonist as she becomes obviously more of an ally to the group and spends a lot of time with them, especially towards the end of the movie. The scenes with her climbing the steps make me feel physically ill. Um, you do still have a greed though at the end that when even when, when she, she takes the heart, she sees it and she immediately remembers her her. 
obsessions and that's what's like the downfall in that moment but i also like the sneaky moment when she sees the the worm and she feeds it to cows and you get that cheeky sense of it she's still in there kind of thing i love these films man yeah, and I do think Solomon is like the overwatching villain is quite well done. I don't like how quick she was to give up at the end, though. As soon as they find the bridge, she's like, fuck it, call it off. Just call it off. Like, And Did also, she... it felt like they escaped him quite easily. Like, it's yeah. the moment when Cat Hal first shows up at the castle and she um, it looks like she's going to get him, but they get away really like straightforward and we don't really get as much chance to see how menacing she can be. So I actually went 10-9 in favour of spirited away because the stuff with no face early on which is straight up fucking terrifying and then when he gets into the the bathhouse and the scene when he's giving the gold to the frog and then he just like just swallows it whole like it's just it, i was like fucking hell and when it looks when it's perched on top of like the stat like the shelving bit and it's like looking down like it looked like a fucking it, it was terrifying and i think um, your baba taking all these fucking people essentially hostage of like enslaved in this yeah it's just some straight up evil shit and even the fact that, like, when they rescued, they took the baby back and the baby stood up for it. She was still like, you still have to tell me which ones are your fucking parents, otherwise you ain't going anywhere. Um, and they were, she was willing to eat them, which is just fucking straight up absurd. Um, so, yeah, I went 10-9 in favour of Spirit of Awakening. I just think she was a much more traditional type of villain. Um, and I, I just think that works on this occasion. And even, like, before the stuff we know first where he goes where he hero and redeems himself and decides to stay with your baba's sister as like a fucking spindler or whatever they're called spinsters that what they're called those people that mess with like the threads and stuff can't remember um but that's obviously where he eventually decides to stay but before that no face is straight up fucking terrifying it's a great design so that's a large reason for my decision as well yeah um i don't see how you can say you don't understand you, you don't really get to see Solomon's like effect on stuff when the whole film is about a war that she's fucking manipulated <laughs> no but what I mean is like we don't see her firsthand doing some cool yeah. shit like even when she when Hal shows up and it looks like she's going to take them they just get away really really easily I do I like that Hal shows up and like he probably thinks he's being dead fucking clever and you know she fucking knows the entire time yeah that was funny and just having the King run out in the middle of it is just hilarious. Um, but yeah, so we talked about the villain then. We might as well speak about the rest of the cast now because they've both got quite deep supporting casts with some very noticeable actors, plus actresses playing the roles. So starting with Howl's Moving Castle, you've obviously got um, Lauren Bacall playing the Wicked Witch of the Waste, who's obviously a very famous actress from uh, the, the golden era of Hollywood. You've got Josh Hutchison, which is really fucking random, playing uh, Markle. Um, Billy Crystal as Calcifer was, was a fucking good role. I, I'll never, ever be disappointed when I hear Billy Crystal's voice in a movie, ever. I think he's great in everything he does. Um, like I said, oh, no, that technically that's not supporting. Actually, so I can't really talk about her. Um, you've got, I mean, I wrote them all down here, um, but some of the names that I don't really know, but I think they did great jobs like... Um, Solomon as uh, Blythe Donner as Solomon, um, but the cast isn't as quite as big as the Spirited Away one in the sense that the characters playing significant roles. Because in that, you've obviously got like even going back to the parents at the beginning, you've got the guy from 
uh, Gotham, I think his name, uh, Michael Chiklis, who played, he's also in like a very famous police drama in America, but I can't remember what that was called. Singing Fantastic Four. Yeah, he's also that, that guy, yeah. You've got Meg from Hercules playing Lynn, whose voice I immediately recognised um, straight away. You've got Tara it, Strong as the baby. Like It's like hearing Tommy from Rugrats, but as this giant fucking creepy motherfucker. Can I just go back the voice actress for Meg and um, Lynn? If I could marry a voice, it'd be her voice. It's just so fucking hot. It's, they both got really good casts um, with some very good voice actors. And not even just voice actors, but noticeable actors in the roles. Like I had no idea it was Josh Hutcherson until I read it afterwards, but he's obviously plays quite a significant character in uh, Howl's Moving Castle. So I actually went 10-9 in favour of Howl's Moving Castle because while I think Lynn is great, um, I think the parents at the beginning are really good, especially the dad, Michael Chiklis. Um, I think Billy Crystal as Calcifer wins out over everything because I think he's just fucking great. Like, I think he's so good in that role. Um, like I said, he's good in most roles, especially these, like, almost comedic sidekicks, like the lesser characters that he steps into play. He just gives them so much more, like, personality and heart than they might otherwise have had. So I went 10-9 in favour of Howl's Moving Castle, essentially off the back of him. But I also really liked uh, Josh Hutchison as Marco, especially when he puts on the disguise with the favourite and he has to put on these over my voice. I just think he's really good as well. And his interactions with Sophie when she first gets there are just really entertaining. So, yeah, I went with those guys for that reason. There might not be as many characters in, like, significant roles, but I think they were just, they, they were more, they were better, I think. So whenever we talk about sporting cast, you always talk about the actors rather than the characters. I find really interesting. Because I always think about the characters, especially when it comes to animated. But... I mean, I'm still giving it to Howl's Moving Castle as a 10-9 to Howl's Moving Castle. But, like, Spirit to Ray's got some great characters. It's got, like, Kamaji, who works down in the... Oh, yeah, he's disgusting and all. In the, in the steam room. Obviously, he just looks got, grim as fuck. Obviously, you've got Lynn, who's hot as fuck. You've got Yubaba's sister. Uh, you've got... Um, I put No Face down as a supporting character, but... Um, class in there. You've got all the spirits, like the frog spirit. Uh, you've got John Ratzenberger as one of the work employees. Um, it, just plenty of really good characters in there. But I feel like none of them, again, have the impact of the characters of Howl's Moving Castle does. Like Marco, I love spending time with him. Like, when, like you say, when you first, he's one of his first interactions with Sophie. Like um, when she says she's going to cl go clean his room and he fucking runs off because he knows there's fucking some shady shit in there. Like even down to him, the dog, who has got has got so much more character than a lot of characters in Spirited Away. Um, turnip head is literally a fucking turnip on a head, and he's just fucking charming to watch. Um, but yeah, it all rides on the back of Calcifer, I think, with the supporting cast because he brings a lot of. You think he's the way he kind of propositions Sophie at the beginning. You think there's going to be some kind of animosity, or that he's trapped, or whatever, yeah, um, and that he's going to be potentially cause some issues but he doesn't he's always kind of the one of the hearts of the movie if not the biggest heart of the movie like quite literally the fucking heart of the movie um and i mean i feel like billy crystal played it really quiet as well like he still got to be billy crystal but he didn't play it as outrageous as he can be especially like mike and um monsters inc and stuff like that uh he's quite toned down but i fucking love him like He's, he's, he's just great and his design's great all the characters 
how they interact in How's Moving Castle is just a lot stronger. And it's a smaller cast as well. And as much as I fucking hate her, like the the fact that Sophie's mum ratted her out to you know to get her husband and what have you released and it's just a great use of a small cast, I think. So yeah, How's Moving Castle 10. Yeah, we agree on that one then. No, if um, we was gonna rank, oh no, we've got our we've got our own category for it. But if we was gonna rank them on literal background characters, then that giant duck thing with the leaf on its head will always win from spirits of the way. Um we'll talk about the music next then. Um because obviously it's like a staple, especially of anim- animated movies, especially have got to make the most of the music that they've got to really enhance the stories. Uh, and these two have got quite decent soundtracks. And this was obviously a category that you suggested. So how did you score this? Uh, 10 Nights, House Moving Castle. And I, the music in Spirit Array is really, really nice. Um, it is. It's got lots of pianos. It's got nice, nice eerie music in it. But there's a giant like, kind of waltz to House Moving Castle, like a waltz sounding soundtrack to House Moving Castle that really, really works. And its theme, its, it's most recognisable theme song is so grand and magical and whimsical some nice words there um and it really just kind of describes the that feeling of like when he when he's walking in the sky with with sophie and when they're in the the fields and you know when the castle's moving and when they when they're doing all the cleaning and stuff it's it adds to the to the magic of it whereas i feel like spirited away is is a lot more background though i will say the music when she's on the train going to see you Baba's sister it's so somber but so like beautiful and I know for a fact that that train scene is studied like a lot with with, with how it mixes with animation aesthetic music um, and storytelling and all that kind of stuff and it's really really beautiful but I just don't think anything ever reaches that those waltzy heights of How's Moving Castle. Yeah uh, this is my first cheat one because I actually went 10 10 here because I thought while this, the, the music in both is quite different, I actually think they were both perfect for the tone of the film. Like, even early on in Spirited Away, when we're exploring, like, the surroundings for the first time and it's all, like, quiet and stuff, I just think it sets the tone so well with the eeriness. And, like um, like you said, with Howl's Moving Castle, those those moments, like, of, like, wonder where we were in the sky or when Howl's doing anything magical, and it really, I think it enhances each moment. Um, like... For my first, because obviously the only other anime I'd ever watched, but it was Studio Ghibli uh, movie, was The Red Turtle, and that one was very, very focused on the score. There wasn't any, there was almost no dialogue whatsoever. In do you know what Red Turtle's about? No, it's essentially a guy that is like stranded on a desert island on his own, um, and it's just about this one guy who's trying to survive on there and so he's got no so there's not much dialogue but it's all kind of told in the music and it just watching both of these it feels like the music and the soundtrack is such a strength from Studio Ghibli and it's something that I don't think in the three movies I've watched now I don't think they've got wrong ones so I didn't want to give one of these a higher score than the other because I thought they were both really well done for what they were going for like I just think they both fit the movies and the stories perfectly so I went straight down the middle for the first time which not, not for the first time ever. Just not for the, the first time today. Fuck me, you try pull one out every episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So ten ten from me, ten nine from you. Um, moving on swiftly then to 
the best character designs uh, slash world designs. So like essentially like the way the habitat is made to look, um, all the locations, all the different creatures and stuff. I went 10-9 in favour of Howl's Moving Castle this time because while Spirited Away has a lot of different little creatures, which I think all look fantastic, and obviously because it's this like this spirited world where they're all like these unique designs, there had to be a lot of work going into it. Um, but I think the stuff with Howl when he first transformed into the beast, actual Howl's castle, which I think looks fucking awesome. Um, the simplicity of Calcifer, which still somehow works. Um, the disgusting fucking look of the Wicked Witch of the Ways. Climate says like the sweat and stuff, fucking neck fanging over. It's disgusting, but it's such. A, it, they did such a good job with the design. And I noticed with both, like while they're both beautiful um the art style is beautiful. It also really enhances like the, the disgusting nature as well. Like the stuff with like the Wicked Witch of the Wasted, those scenes where she's like struggling, or with No Face when he's throwing up and stuff like because of how much detail they put into like the art style and the animation above, it it also enhances the dis- those bits, which I just think are straight up fucking gross. So um you get both sides of it really, but all the stuff with how even like the way the um, turnip head looks, which I thought was creepy as fuck at first, just jumping up and down. I was waiting, like, when we first saw him, I was waiting for him to speak. When I realised he didn't, it made it even more terrifying. Like, it was just jumping up and down with this big smile plastered across his face. I thought, silent is not the way to go. Like, I'm not, I'm not having this. But I thought it was really uh, well designed. Um, and, like, because it's, like, this fantasy world, like you said at the start, it has this very distinct look because um, it's not modern, it's not the real world, it's this fantasy realm where everything is designed to look as much as well. And I think they did such a good job with like the towns and with um the scenes where Hal goes through that door and he's and he enters that world where he's fighting with the different beasts who were once people who completely forgot. I just think it's really well designed and like I said, the spirit world and stuff in Spirit Away is really good as well. But there was just little bits in um Hal's Moving Castle that tips it over the edge for me. I don't know how you fucking dare. The fucking audacity of you to to spit in my face like this. How's Moving Castle is a beautiful film. I will not deny that. And like I said, it has to create its own world and it does it really, really well. Like I never, I'm never pulled out of that. It's just so beautiful. I love the designs, the designs of the airships. They're so fucking, in, in all Ghibli movies really, but they're so fucking impractical looking. But there's just something about how like all of the tiny little wings and wind flaps work in synchronicity that I absolutely love. And you've got like my favorite, my absolute favorite design in How's Moving Castle is uh, him the dog. I absolutely love him. I don't know why. He just fucking looks amazing. Um, but the loads of little, loads of little design stuff that that just were like the the ink monsters that work for the Wicked Witch of the Waste. Um, yeah, those things are creepy as fucking all. They're fucking creepy, you know. I love the um, the shadow dancers when they're stripping the wicked witch of the waste powers, and then how they're mirrored by the star dancers that give Howl his powers. Like fucking beautiful, but you're an absolute terrorist if you think that Howl's moving castle has got fucking better design than Spirited Away. <laughs> You've got no face, which is just. It takes the simplest fucking design and makes it so fucking terrifying. You've got stuff like the frog spirit. You've got stuff like the um, 
you know, the radish spirit that she's in the fucking lift with and the the duck spirits, which just look fucking, they look like Psyducks with, uh, from Pokemon with like leaves on their head. Like there's, there's so many different spirits in the background. And then you've got things like when, you've got so many detailed looking things as well. Like the, the stink spirit, when that comes in, so fucking detailed looking. And then it pulls out all this trash, a lot of detailed trash. And it again is another river spirit that's so, creepy and strange but beautiful looking at the same time and you have all this detail and all this like how to describe it like really intricate designs and then at the same time you've got a tiny little mouse that's being held by a little bird that's literally a black spot with two little wings and two tiny little eyes and it all works perfect in perfect unison you know you baba's head itself is a fucking design philosophy i'm sure but again, it's that everything, I'm going to pretend like it's not about the duck with the leaf on its head. And the when she's on the train and it's going across the water and you're seeing all the landscapes, I know the, I know the man-made, I know it's our, supposed to be our kind of earth kind of thing, but they're so beautiful and how it all reflects on the water and and everything like that. It's just so just so well done and so well designed um so i went obviously 10 that in, in favor of spirited away but again i love house moving castle but there's just so many different art styles and different characters and different everything that makes me really really love spirited away i think what's best about both of them is that spirited away was released over here in like the 90s Howl's Moving Castle was released in early 2000s, I think. And yet you could... I think Spirited Away was actually like 2001. Oh, yeah, it might be. Like late, and yeah. Howl's Moving Castle was 2004, I think. Okay, yeah. Well, still, that's 24, 20 years ago. And you could probably release them alongside The Boy and the Heron now. And you would think the modern-day anime. Like, there's nothing about either of them that ages them. Yeah. So, yeah, that is an interesting point, actually, because you look at stuff from the 90s, like even to talk about the one anime that I watched, which was Dragon Ball Z, because that looks old. Mm. There's a reason they did GT, which essentially was just the original series, but just looking more modern. Like, So it is quite an impressive achievement that those movies came out over 20 years ago and they still do look brand new. Like even with like animated Disney films, because at this point Disney had, well, I think it was Pixar that was publishing them i can't remember um but i even like when you watch aladdin or you watch my boy hercules or you watch lion king like you can mulan as well don't forget mulan even though they really like they have they haven't aged they still you still there's still a sense of oldness to them and i don't think you get that with anime because the 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 Western audience has kind of moved on to CG and all these different styles. And we're kind of moving slowly back, but like with Spider-Man, it's 2D, but it's not, it's 3D. Whereas, you know, with anime, it's always just been anime. And there are CG elements to it. Like, so there's some moments where House Castle's CG and stuff like that, but it's, it doesn't age. It just looks modern at all times. Yeah, they've done a much better job of, um, like prolonging like the 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 impacts that those movies have because like you said there are certain movies especially like old animated movies which can look really like 
jarring, um, especially for a modern audiences like I like. Some of the old school Disney stuff looks old now because, like you said, the, that reliance on 3D animation, which I've had enough of. I'd, I've always been a bring back 2D fully. Like I, I, There's nothing better, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, that is an element that really helps these two movies. I think the animation style is just gorgeous. And knowing like the effort that's put in, it just it, it makes them both more impressive to me. Um, but, yeah, we've got one category left then. Which we we try to end on every time, and that's the legacy of both movies. Just before we move on, just before we move on, I just want you to look him in the eye and just tell him that you didn't give him a ten. Yeah, fuck that bitch. Look at him. (laughs) Fuck that bitch. Um, I also think. I mean, I've already made my case. I've done my ten, but like, while I didn't quite understand (laughs) it. Well, I didn't quite understand what they were doing with it, but having Sophie transition from the old to the young, like almost like in these different scenes, I thought that was really well done. Um, but yeah, I give it. We've, I mean, I've already set my score, so I don't really need to say much else. The Howl's bedroom is one of the best, like, kind of design things in Howl's Moving Castle. It's so, again, so magical and like just obscure, and like his bathroom as well. Just that kind of stuff, I absolutely love. But I ain't changing my score either. So. Do you know um, when I said I didn't quite get the stuff when they had Sophie the agent? There's a shot where she's asleep and she's young, and for a minute I thought there was a, another young woman in that place that had been in a coma the entire time, and which, that's why she was there and we hadn't met her yet. Because <laughs> I wasn't sure. Because they just showed this random young woman. I was like, "Oh, it's this thing? She's been asleep the entire time. Is there something wrong with her?" <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, um, but yeah, we'll talk about the legacy then um, of both movies, which we like to try and most of these showdowns on, like how they've held up and the way they looked at all these years later and the impact they've had. Um, so I'll let you go first then on the legacy because you're more familiar with these anyway. Like, the, in terms of my legacy, I've kind of just thought about how I felt about them and then looked at how the world's reacted to them and stuff like that. Okay. Well, obviously, got I, I, my score is a bit more personal, but I don't think it is. I think it's my. I think my feelings of the films represent a lot of people's thoughts to to these two movies. And I think you always, the film that you would talk about, if you were to talk about Studio Ghibli, you get you get two answers. You get My Neighbor Totoro, and you'd get Spirited Away. Um, Howl's Moving Castle would come up, but I don't think it's the immediate answer. Um, especially to like people of my age, young, young people of my age. I was about to say young, first of all, that's, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> people of my age and younger, I think Spirited Away is the entry level Ghibli movie because there's, you know, the other, the other Ghibli studio stuff is it's a lot deeper and it goes into a lot more, you know, if you want something harrowing that's something completely different as Ghibli, you know, watch Grave of the Fireflies. I watched that for the first time over lockdown and fucking bored my eyes out. It's absolutely fucking heartbreaking. And every time they release a movie, it's 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 one of three things. It's either like an allegory of Japanese history. It's just everyday stuff. Like there's one, I can't remember the name of it actually. There's one where it's just about a woman who moves to the countryside and you're just living a lot. There's no mystical, there's no war, there's no nothing. It's just she's living her life in the countryside and it's just about Japanese culture. And then you've got the fantastical, which is Howl's Moving Castle, Totoro, Boy and Heron, uh, and Spirited Away. And Spirited Away is the one that everybody watches first, I think. 
unless you've got somebody telling you, oh, no, you need to watch this, blah, blah. Spirited is a way that everybody watches first. It's probably the most famous. It's got a lot of the most, the a lot more iconography. You've got like with No Face and Haku and and the little dust mites, um, which I absolutely love. You <clears throat> uh, Baba herself, you know, very instantly recognisable to that film. Whereas the only other film that does it really well, I think, that people associate with Ghibli is Totoro, obviously, is at the beginning of all the, the movies on the title card. Um, How's Moving Castle, I, believe, I, I feel like is the next step up, step up from Spirited Away. You watch Spirited Away and then it's like, okay, which one do I want to watch next? And the next recommendation is always How's Moving Castle over anything else. Um, so in terms of legacy, I, I, as much as personally I like How's Moving Castle more, slightly spirited away has had much more of an effect on people who are getting into anime people who already love anime people who want to know about ghibli and stuff like that and i think it's much more widely known it's more popular it's more in the common person's common person you fucking scumbags um you know i mean at the average or the mainstream audience's um uh, knowledge i think if you were to see a poster for spirited away you'd, ha- you'd be able to kind of go oh i remember seeing stuff for that whereas with Howl's moving castle i think it was a bit a bit quieter and not as big of a release so that's why i went to turn nine into me favorite spirited away it was my it was my first it was my first ghibli movie uh, spirited away so you kind of have to give it to that that's interesting then. so i imagine that means i watched it wrong because i watched Howl's moving castle and then watched uh, spirited away well, to be fair, it was Howl's Moving Castle we announced first and then Spirited Away. That's, that's why I did it. Also, I watched The Red Turtle first, so that makes Spirited Away my third Studio Ghibli movie, which is all sorts of fucked up there, apparently. Um, well, you are fucked up. So. That's very true. But I also went 10-9 in favour of Spirited Away because I felt like, personally for me, I preferred it a little bit more. Um, I also, afterwards, was looking into both movies and I think... Howl's Moving Castle is regarded as a great, a great movie and a great anime, but Spirited Away is actually regarded as one of the best movies like ever. Like it, it's broken free of that anime um, like restriction. Like it's, it's not considered just a great anime. It's considered much more than that now, and um, it's like I said, it's been regarded as one of the best films of all time. Which I'm not sure I can get quite there, but I did enjoy it, and I think. It won um, it won an Oscar for best animated film as well. Yeah, yeah. which doesn't happen often, does it? No, and I think it's the not for no, and I think it's well, it, animated films usually win that category. Um, I meant a fucking anime one, you silly bastard. <laughs> but I think it's the only Ghibli movie to win an Oscar as well. I might be wrong on that one. I know Howl's Moving Castle was nominated, but it never won. Yeah, so even when you go on like those sorts of accolades and the recognition that it got from the industry. Um, and the fact that I enjoyed it more, which means I agree with the Academy and the rest of the world, which makes me right and you wrong. <laughs> which, why it's going to be all the more funny now when I tell you I've got the score, the final scores hey, here. So hold on. No, I already know what's coming. But um, if you agree with the Academy and the Academy can do no wrong because it makes you right, then you, you're also saying Leonardo DiCaprio didn't deserve an Oscar nomination. Nah, did he fuck? <laughs> Uh, fucking Bernie's only burn me out down the minute he sees this um, nah of course he did I don't know what the fuck they were thinking there 
To be fair, I don't like saying that because there's a film that, I mean, I ain't seen a few of the films where the actor's been nominated, so I don't want to say he deserves it over people who I haven't seen because I might well tell me, but actually, fuck Leo. You don't know, so I like him to be nominated, but that's only my bias. Um, yeah. The final Maybe. scores then. Whereas Ninja Turtles is an actual fucking travesty. But nah, what? I made the right call there. We don't Have you watched it yet? That. No, for fuck. <laughs> Not at all. Um, I watched most of the movies that have been nominated this year. I'm, one of my, that's one of my, my goals now, is to make sure I watch every movie that's been nominated for Best Picture, every animated movie that's been nominated for Best Animated, and every like movie that's been nominated in the acting role, so I can see those performances as well. I got quite lucky because... Went to the cinema the other night for like the mystery movie, um, and it ended up being American Fiction, which I'd heard a little bit about, but not too much. Then the day after, it got nominated for Best Picture, and its lead and supporting actor both got nominated as well. So I feel like I got that just at the right time. Uh, but yeah, I, my goal is to try to get through it all before the Oscars. So um, probably do that goal as well because I know that you want to do an Oscars episode. <laughs> Yeah, that well, maybe I'd say what might be a good episode to do. Come going completely off track again. Uh, is like a countdown of like the biggest Oscar like robberies, like maybe a performance or a film that probably should have won and didn't. I'm fucking looking straight at Saving Private Ryan missing out to Shakespeare in Love or Goodfellas missing out to raise their uh, dances with wolves. Some fucking atrocious shit. Right, um, just just we're just filming an episode where I start talking and you start and then two hours later you finish and then we'll go right great episode uh, yeah yeah I'll just tell you to take over two hour cow run I had that I'd fucking I'm sure everyone wants to hear that um, but back to this one how we're best to get them views <laughs> I've got the final scores here you said you knew what were coming so did you keep track no, I didn't. I'm not kept track, but considering you just said that um, you like being right and that you stand with the Academy and that makes you right and me wrong, I assume spirited away to come out on top. No. Actually, before you give me before you give me your scores, I wanna I don't wanna I'm not going off track, so I'm keeping on track, keeping on subject. But obviously you've not watched these. These aren't your type of film. I saw you letter you letterboxed three and a half, which That's I feel not bad though. It's not bad. I feel like you're trying not to upset me and trying to play it safe. Um no, I, can't, I mean, I liked both. What did, what did you going to say? What did you actually think to him? Before, obviously, you already know the score, but like for somebody who you was very much like, it's not really my thing, but I want to try it. What what was it like actually watching him? So the thing we Howl's Moving Castle, because that was the first one, it took me a little bit longer to get into it, I think, um, than it did with Spirited Away, because once I'd gone through that, I'd already like, been kind of introduced to that sort of style. So once I watched Spirited Away, I kind of was a bit more accustomed to it. Um, but I liked, I did, li- I did like both. I don't, I don't think I disliked either of them. Um, How's Moving Castle had moments that I really enjoyed, um, but f- for the most part, I don't think it was as entertaining from start to finish for me as Spirited Away. Like I felt that one, it kind of never let off for me. Like I was, I was much more into it all the way through. Um, I feel like there was there was some moments in Howl's Moving Castle like the highs were like up here, but the rest there were moments where it dropped down here for me. Um, which, which moments? Which moments dropped for it? So when I was watching it the other day, I was like, when they're doing the when the stars are dancing around him, I was literally sat there going, I don't think Kel's gonna like this bit, <laughs> or I think it's gonna be there's bits where I think like I think it might just be too weird for him. No, I mean I've watched some weird shit in my time. Um, it wasn't bad. 
I mean, I've watched Bowers Afraid for Christ's sake. Now yeah. that is shit. Um, I just don't know. I think I don't know if Spirit in the Way was just an easier narrative to follow as well. Like just yeah. a little girl that's been taken like prisoner and is trying is trying to find the freedom. I just it felt a bit probably a little bit more easier to follow on with like pick up. So that might be why I enjoyed it more as someone that's never really watched too much of this sort of thing. But I didn't mind either of them, and I and I probably will watch more. Um, like I will probably check out my neighbor Totoro. My Netflix now after watching those two, the suggestions it's all these ones I've never fucking heard of in my life. I didn't even realize they had that many of them on Netflix. These but I'll probably watch more of them. And I know it's obviously not the same because this is um, anime is largely Japanese. But I've been like I've been I've been wanting to get into like foreign movies for a while, like. Uh, last year it's Korean, so it's not like it's not Japanese. But I watched Old Boy. Um, I watched Past yeah. Lives recently, when a large portion of that is in Korean. Um, Anatomy of the Falls, French, uh, and I think there's, uh, the Zone of Interest, which also been nominated for an Oscar. I'm pretty sure that's another foreign movie. So I am wanting to get into more foreign stuff. Which I know watching anime dubbed in English isn't quite the same, but um, it's just I don't want to be with, like hold back. In the last few years, especially, I've like really opened like my horizons in movies. Like I've gone back for a while. I didn't want to watch old films. Like the thought of watching black and white, I wasn't about it. But I've now that I'm doing that, and I've watched, I've discovered so many great films. Like even I said it uh, a few episodes ago, "It's a Wonderful Life" is legit one of my favorite films of all time now. And if I was still against watching these black and white films, I never would have discovered that. Um, I can't wait for the remake. You what? Sorry. Wait for the remake. Oh, fuck that shit. How dare they try to replace James Stewart? Um, like I said, with the I watching it dubbed, like Ghibli is the only one that I would recommend dubbed over subtitled. And any other, any like literally any other anime, I only watch um, subtitled because it, it it's a lot better. But with like Ghibli do such a good job of it that I feel like it's it's acceptable to watch them that way. Yeah. So yeah, I do want. I am going to watch more, just because, like I said, at the moment, I just want to watch as many things that I would no, not necessarily choose to, because it it you are missing out on a lot if you don't. Um, Old boy, I thought was fucking awesome, and that's a film I never would have watched when I was younger because it was in Korean and subtitled. Like stuff like that is what probably holding me back from discovering so many incredible movies, like not watching Black and White for so long. Um, so I do plan on watching more uh, anime in the future. Now Netflix is offering me about 105 of the fuckers. Um, I'll probably check some of them out. And I've heard good stuff about certain ones in the past as well from uh, someone we used to work with. And then you, I think you told me the name of it and I already forgot. But so I've heard about certain ones in the past that I, I do like the sound of. So I intend to watch them anyway. Yeah, your name is the one that you're thinking of. That's probably up there with um, Howl's Moving Castle is one of my favourite animes. Then there's like old stuff like Ghost in the Shell and Akira that like Akira gets really fucking weird but if you can keep on board with it it's so fucking satisfying and is the groundwork for a lot of modern day stuff as well but yeah I'm glad that you I'm glad that you enjoyed them and they weren't fucking painful for you because I, I'm glad that you it, it's not something that puts you off watching them. I mean they're not Dragon Ball Z Battle of the Gods but I mean, out of all of them, you pick, you could have fucking said Broly, but whatever. Well, that's why I said Battle of the Gods, because it's probably the worst one. 
<laughs> it's not Resurrection F, is it? What's the score? So this, oh yeah, we've gone through all this. We haven't even said the score. <laughs> so the score is actually 193 to 188 in favour of Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah, so that's why when I was saying I'm I'm on the side of the academy, and then I was like, which is why it's going to be really funny now when I tell you that it actually lost here. The official stance of the Cinematch podcast is Howl's Moving Castle is better. Apparently so, yeah. So uh, I think my Spirited scores were pretty much almost dead even, to be fair. Yeah, Spirited Away is much more accessible. It's much more straightforward. And it is much more, I think it's an easy, definitely an easier watch uh, than How's Moving Castle. What How's Moving Castle is, for me, the better film, definitely. Can I ask, have you rewatched both of these often or not? I've watched, yeah, I've watched them a fair few times, yeah. I feel like How's Moving Castle is probably one that there's a lot more of a, like a rewatch value in it. Like you gain more from it each time you rewatch it. So I'll have to see if that's the case if I rewatch it. Um, I think the last time I rewatched them both was in lockdown. Um, which I was annoyed about. I was like, oh, please don't tell me I've logged them on Letterbox because I'm trying to, I'm trying to do as many films as possible. And because I'd already watched them, I don't log films. I don't do rewatches on Letterbox, do I? So I was like, oh, fuck. I could have, I could be ahead of the game, but I think currently I'm. It's the 24th today, and I've watched on average 24 throughout the throughout the month, which is good. I could be That's at 20, very good. Could be at 26, but I've already logged them, so fucking whatever. Could be at 27 if Drive waits the other night. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, 193 to 188. Then I think my scores were almost dead even, which is interesting because, like I said, I preferred Spirited Away. But sometimes when you break it down the little categories, you actually get some surprising results. Um, yeah, we do it all the time when it comes to films that we expected to win and what what didn't win. But it's fine if you want to make excuses to um, my choice is <laughs> no, I didn't mind either of them. So. With the academy, but the official stance of this podcast is uh, me. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, so Howl's Moving Castle wins yeah. 193 to 188. Hayao Miyazaki, we should probably mention the guy who created both of them. What's he called again? Sorry, Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah, uh, shout out to that guy. If you're listening, um, I love both of them, but one more than the other, clearly. I mean, all I say is you ain't half bad, lad, because there's a couple of good movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that brings uh, another uh, showdown to an end. Then Howl's Moving Castle wins. Um, if you guys liked what you heard slash list watched, then please feel free to subscribe to the YouTube channel and like the video if you're watching on YouTube. If you are listening on any of the podcast platforms, then feel free to subscribe to the channel on there as well as leaving us a nice little review. Our details are underneath. If you want to follow us anywhere, um, I've got an exciting month coming up. You are. When we post it, I always point down here. But when we when it's posted, which side am I on? I can never actually. I never actually know. I think you're on the same side. So I think you're. It's directly down, isn't it? Yeah, but it's usually like it's like some whatever down here. I fucking know. I'm always just like this. I cover all my bases like this. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got a very exciting month lined up now, which I'm fucking looking forward to. Uh, I've just experienced something I'm not used to. It's time for me to uh, subject Nathan to the same with uh, February coming up. Yeah, you got you got one week. I've got a whole month of it, and I know, <laughs> like, I know you're going to give me the shit ones. There are a couple of cheesy ones that I'm considering that I like through guilty pleasure. Um, 
But we might, I mean, we might as well say it now what it is. With February, we're doing an entire rom com month. Weeks upon weeks, look at uh, facing off different romantic comedies against each other. I've got so many fucking ideas rolling around my head already. Don't worry about that. As long as Crazy Stupid loves one of them so it can win whatever it's up against, it's fine. Beware. I've never seen that one. You've never seen Crazy Stupid Love? No. Oh, you are in. Yeah, we've got to do that one week. You are in. Okay. Oh, but what film do we do it against? I will think. But, Cal, you need to watch it. I mean, it sounds like I'm gonna. We need to try. Can we do Dirty Dancing? We need to do Dirty Dancing. You don't like Dirty Dancing. You don't like Dirty Dancing, do you? No, it's fucking shit. And he's a bit of a creep because he's like 30, flirting with like a 17-year-old girl. Give it one Shout out to Patrick Swayze in general, though. He was a good lad, but that character sucked. He's a good lad. Yeah. <laughs> Talk through about Patrick Patrick Swayze in Point Break. I'm all about Patrick Swayze and Dirty Dancing can get fucked. Different, different time, different rules. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got some ideas as well. So we'll have several excellent showdowns ready featuring some of the best uh, romantic comedies and then some of the cheesiest that I imagine you'll hate and I'll love um, also it was your idea to do it so you can quit your bitching idea yeah, you know what? it was my idea to do it <laughs> that was all on you so yeah that's coming up in the next few weeks so we look forward to seeing you guys there and we hope you enjoyed this episode peace out I won again